Hello everyone and welcome to God in All Things. I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And we are going to be discussing Catching Fire today. We're continuing on with the Hunger Games series. If you are new to our podcast, welcome. Here we discuss literature, film, and all of the gospel principles we can learn from them. Or at Uh, least one gospel principle. Yes, or at least we focus on one. We do focus on one, but sometimes we may throw in other things just by default. There's so So, many. Yes, so much to talk about. And like I said, we're continuing with the Hunger Games series. So we'll start off with a little bit of a summary, specifically for the second one, or more like a synopsis. It's not really a summary, I guess, but we will start there. Like I said, it's continuing on from where the Hunger Games left off, and Katniss and Peeta have survived and are attempting to ease back into normal life. But things in Panem are far from calming down. After their trick with the berries, Katniss has inspired a new hope in the districts. One that President Snow will do anything to quench. And most of the book, unfortunately, is a lot of that back and forth and can get pretty tragic, honestly. But it is also very empowering the way Katniss handles things. So some personal experiences. I mentioned in our Hunger Games episode that I read these really quickly over just a week or two when I was in sixth grade seventh grade and this one definitely was my favorite I think it's a lot of people's favorites it's just the most like we know the characters and things are really starting to happen and so there's a lot of plot going on whereas the first one it has a lot going on but it's really a world and character introduction like it's not like we have these I mean they're big stakes but they're much more like limited as far as scope And then the third one is big and grandiose, but a lot of it is internal turmoil. And so I feel like Catching Fire has a nice balance between the action plot that the first one has, but also a lot of the psychological plot that the third one has a little bit more of. So yes, I really love this one. I love the movie as well, and I'm excited to talk about it because it's fabulous. Yeah, um, I mean, we both kind of talked about it on on the Hunger Games one, so I don't have much to add either but uh I did after reading the Hunger Games for the last episode I said I need more right now (laughs) and I just sat down and read Catching Fire even though I was like I'm not even gonna remember it as well when we record the episode I was like I just gotta read it so fast um and then I ended it and I was like I need to read Mockingjay but I didn't I held Good off job. on that one way to hold back I think mostly because I had my family book club book that I needed to read and I was behind on so it would have been irresponsible but uh <laughs> so absolutely loved it I thought it was it's just so engaging the writing is just so engaging and fun and the story is so interesting and I'm just just very impressed very very impressed so lots of fun yeah i guess we'll just pretty much get right into it starting with the gospel principle itself um which i'll let kariana introduce this time cool so we wanted to talk about remembering who the real enemy is a word that we would use more in the gospel is probably adversary Um, remembering focusing on who our adversary actually is and i think that came from, I tried finding it in the book, but I couldn't. Did you look in the book at all for it? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. did you find it? I did. Okay, do you want to talk about where that is? Off. So this idea came from a quote in the book that's actually done, um, said by Hamish. 
And it occurs right before they go back into the game. Spoiler alert. (laughs) If you're listening to this, I mean, it's the second book in the series. So you're just going to get that. But right before they're going in, it's the night before and they're having a conversation. And just before Hamish leaves the room, he says, Katniss, when you're in the arena, he begins, then he pauses. He's scowling in a way that makes me sure I've already disappointed him. What? I asked defensively. You just remember who the enemy is, Hamish tells me. That's all. Now go on, get out of here. I think in the movie it's Finnick who says it. Who both is, of them both say of it. them do. So Hamish okay. says it and then when Finnick says it later, it, it that reminds Katniss. That. Because in the okay. book just to kind of show the difference between the book and the movie. In the book, in her mind, she thinks she has a memory of Hamish at that moment and remembers him saying that. Okay. But in the movie, to show it, they have Finnick say it so that it reminds her, so that you as the viewer knows what know what's going what's on in, in her, her head. head. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Anyway, so as far as the gospel principle goes, that's where, that's where the idea mm-hmm. came from since that's not really like a typical gospel principle that we yes. hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, remembering who the real enemy is has always kind of been a struggle for uh, God's church. Um, And we recently read in Come Follow Me, Romans 14, where Paul advises the saints not to judge or discriminate against each other on minor issues. And the example he uses is eating non-kosher food items, since he was dealing with a religion filled with devout Jews and uh, converted Gentiles, converted Jews as well, um, previously devout Jews. For us, this would be like denouncing someone for drinking coffee or more common issues that we kind of deal with these days are maybe receiving or not receiving a vaccine or supporting or not supporting a certain political candidate and things like that. Um, These are debates that we allow to break down the unity within the church, turning us against each other, which is exactly what the adversary wants. So Paul and Suzanne Collins both remind us to remember who the real enemy is and join together in righteousness rather than tearing each other down for reasons that don't actually have an eternal impact. So great. I'm actually really excited to talk about this because I do think it's a big thing just in today's world to point fingers and treat each other as enemies. And I think people, it's a very pharisaical idea to be like, because you're not doing this, you're a bad person. Like you, you yourself are Mm -hmm. bad or evil. Whereas it's actually like, there's a different power that is who we're actually fighting. And it's really just sin. Like you could say Satan as well, but really it's sin itself that we're fighting. Um, Satan's just promoting that, but it's sin that we're fighting and that's who the enemy is and our own personal struggles and temptations that we give into are what the enemy is not other people necessarily Mm -hmm. because at one point before we came to this earth we were all on the same side in the pre-earth life we all chose to come here and we're on christ's side and regardless of what people choose here we're all we are all started on the same team so we need to hang on to that So let's get into the plot of the book and we'll discuss that alongside it as we go along. So the book starts off with Katniss. She's out in the woods. She's just pondering on things coming up. It's, I think, a day before the tour starts. So it's the victory tour. This is an event where the winners or the survivor of the previous Hunger Games, the winner of the previous Hunger Games, gets to tour through all the districts. 
gets to. Gets to. <laughs> She's so, so excited. <laughs> and goes to parties and gets to give speeches and all of that and gets to look at all the families of the people they killed. Ooh. And it's really just, it's right in between the different Hunger Games. So it's kind of that mid-year situation. And so it's just to keep that on people's minds so people don't really get a break. And so, yeah, it's really sad and Katniss is not looking forward to it, of course. Um, She talks about how things have changed since she's gotten back. So she now hunts for Gale. So Gale is now working in the mines and she has so much money being a winner, but he refuses to take any of it. And so she will do the hunting for him while he's working in the mines and for his family. We also see that Peta and Katniss's relationship is strained as well. Gail and Katniss's relationship is strained just because of what happened with Peta in the games and the situation where Gail has to rely on her, which neither of them, I mean, she's okay with him relying on her, but she, neither of them like to rely on other people. And so that's getting in the way. And yeah, Peta and Katniss are also struggling because Peta found out that she was faking the whole time and realized that whereas he was actually being pretty honest overall with his feelings and so there's some complications there and yeah it's just a very difficult time but it is a beautiful time where we get to see the community again I think that's my favorite like revisiting the books my favorite part about these books is the community aspect that's not really shown in the movies for obvious reasons they don't want to pay more actors but (laughs) um, in the book we're able to see a lot more interactions with other members of the community and they really just have so much support for Katniss as a person even though she doesn't really realize it's for her yeah (laughs) she kind of assumes it's for other reasons but people really respect her and we see a little bit more of that in this early part of the book and it's just really really great but anyway it starts off happy and then (laughs) Katniss goes home after hunting and who should she find there but President Snow has come to visit and threatens her so let's go into that scene because I think this is very poignant because it's kicking this book off with her attention being focused on an individual who really is the enemy overall because he is the most powerful man and he holds all the strings. Um, Everything that goes on, there may be a lot of other people who support what he does, but he's the one making all the decisions really ultimately. So... Oh, yeah. Before I go into that, there was this moment that got brought up talking about. So she's been keeping a lot of her hunting stuff at their old house in the seam, whereas they're in a new Victor's house, her and her mom and sister. But technically, her mom and sister still are recorded as living at the old house it's just Katniss who technically can live in the house um in the new house it's not like a hard fast rule it's just like as far as records go there and as soon if Katniss were to die then her mom and sister would go back to the seam and yeah so it's not and I thought that was interesting because I was like wow one of the first things the capital attacks even when you win the games but also when you get in the games is your family like in your relationship with them which is so what satan does too like they he wants you to feel alone he wants you separated from especially your family he does not want family units units because those are very divine things 
And yeah, he's not about that. And so I find it interesting that right from the get-go, we're seeing the capital tear her away from her family, separate her, and then also just attack her relationship with other people in the community, like Gail, even her best friend. Like they make it seem like he's her cousin in order to keep it from like getting in the way of the relationship with Peta and just all of these things. And that's really what Satan does first. What the, our true enemy does, Satan, sin, temptations, that enemy separates us from other people and makes us feel alone and breaks up relationships that should be divine. Yeah, you can push it even farther than that too. I mean, with the fact that the victor's kids aren't immune from mm-hmm. the the games, victor's kids can still be involved in it. And so even when the victors get bestowed all of these privileges, they get treated special in every single way. But the one thing that would actually like matter or mean anything, they're still not immune from. Um, and then, and it pushes Katniss to even not want to have children. And mm-hmm. I would totally compare that to things that Satan is doing today, you know, Mm -hmm. today Satan is totally, I mean, the family is ordained of God, like Mm -hmm. you're talking about. It's, it's the most important relationships we have. And yeah, I mean, the best thing, the smartest thing Satan can do is tear those relationships apart or encourage people to not even create them in the first place because of the fear that goes along with it. Yeah, that's so true. And it's, yeah, it's very key to everything else that we see throughout this book is that idea of very personal destruction. And so, like I said, we have President Snow come to her home and she says that he smells of roses and blood, which is just so descriptive and disgusting. But it just makes, there's just something about that combination that feels like powerful You know what I'm saying? Like, he has Mm. power, and power and cruelty is who he is. And it also makes me think of the idea of Satan telling us lies mixed with truth. Mm. And so... That sweet mixed into the the sickly or the bitter. The blood, the destruction, yeah. Yeah. And so he literally... And she describes him as a snake several times. And he really is, like, very much symbolically representative of Satan as a figure. This man coming into her home and threatening her um, and Uh twisting truth because he's telling her things like, you know, you don't want a war and it will just be so bad and all the fallout will be awful. And I'm excited for us to get into the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes in a few months because... Um, And that it explores that idea a little bit more of why he would feel that way. Right. But in the meantime, um, for this one, we just see him make really compelling arguments and things that like they both honestly want the same thing. President Snow just has a lot less empathy and care in doing it. Like for him, he wants to avoid the war. Katniss also wants to avoid a war, which is what we see throughout this. But the thing is, President Snow thinks that this is better. Right. And that this is a better place, a better situation for their country than a war would be. Whereas Katniss begins to understand that a war, while devastating, is what they have to do in order to get a better place. Because this is horrible and this can't stand the way things are now. 
Um, but President Snow, it's almost like President Snow is more afraid and he cares more about himself and his own people than he does about the kingdom as a whole, which I think we often get caught in. Like you said at the beginning, often God's church, that's a thing that's difficult is putting the word enemy to the wrong people. For sure. Instead of embracing and strengthening everybody as a whole, we want to strengthen those, our own kin. Mm. And not spread that love. And that's Satan. That's a satanic way of doing it. Especially now that we've been like studying the New Testament and learning about how God told Peter that it's time to teach the Gentiles as well. Like that invitation's been given. We're ready to be able to spread more to others to make God's kingdom available to everyone. So anything that keeps that from happening is going against God's plan, which is playing into the hands of Satan and sin. One of the uh, scripture verse that I love that relates to this is um, Moses seven eighteen. It says, and the Lord called his people Zion because they were of one heart and one mind and dwelt in righteousness and there was no poor among them. And what you just said right there made me think of that where President Snow is worried about the welfare of his direct kinsmen, his people there in the capital, and he doesn't care if everybody else is poor for their sakes as long as mm-hmm. they have what they want. And yeah, not kind of spreading that excessive wealth that they enjoy, even though it could definitely be spread a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yeah. And it also made me think of um, what, thinking, you know, just kind of pushing President Snow like as a really satan character because i think there are a lot of interesting um comparisons you can draw Mm -hmm. he also i think it's interesting that he comes in you pointed out that he comes in with kind of threats he comes into katniss's home invades with these threats um and he he twists people into doing what he wants it's like almost it's this I don't want to say is controlling people's actions i'm trying to find this like balance between it feels like he's taking away people's agency, mm-hmm. but um, which, you know, part of Satan's plan. Right. And then but like doing it in a way where people are still technically making their own choices, but he's twisting things like you said, twisting truths and encouraging people to do things that go against what they actually want. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? The, so the yeah. way that we're that temptation he's limiting agency by not giving people the proper information. Right. Yeah. And so it's like when we allow Satan inside of ourselves to convince ourselves to convince us of things that aren't true, then it it twists our ability to recognize what we're supposed to do and pushes us in a wrong direction. And so ultimately, we're limiting our own agency. Mm-hmm. We only get we Satan only has yeah. as much power as we give him, mm-hmm. but which is a difference between him and President Snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh but yeah, but it's kind of kind of an interesting comparison there where it's this agency limiting manipulation into doing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's the succinct yes. way of what I'm trying yes. to say. <laughs> yes. A little bit of a complex idea, but yes, basically um, he's keeping people away from the truth and being able to make decisions with open eyes, yeah. which, yeah. And we see that more and more as things go on and we learn about other information that's being kept from them regarding like District 13 and things like that. Which is why we talk about 
God and the gospel being what actually sets us free, right? Exactly, it's easy to see yes. rules and restrictions as yeah. binding, but the truth will set we you free. Know, yes, you know? when you know the truth and what your options actually are, you're actually freer to make your own decisions. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so then we do get started on the tour and she Katniss ends up telling Hamish about this whole experience. She's she ponders who she can tell and she feels like Hamish is really the only one that she can tell. And so she tells him and he's basically like, you're just going to have to embrace that this is your life now, is being with PETA and continuing to be brought out and faking it and doing all that stuff you hate. Like, that's just what you have to do now. And he knows because he's already lived that. Like, maybe he hasn't been threatened on the same level as Katniss as far as President Snow coming to his house and doing that. But he has lived the victor's life, and that's what it is. It's basically you're a slave after you win. So um, he's very honest with her. And so we see them go on this tour. I think we mentioned in this in the last episode, so I'll just briefly mention it because I think it's really sweet. While Katniss is getting prepared for the tour, she's getting all her makeup and hair done and stuff. And she has her prep team come in and her, her mom is asked to show them how to do the braided hair thing. Mm-hmm. And at first Katniss was annoyed with them because they were being all, you know, they're just kind of shallow <laughs> by nature of being from the capital and stuff and she was annoyed with them but they're very sweet when her mom is teaching them how to do her hair and she just was is really appreciative of their kindness in regards to that and she's like I feel bad about how I go around feeling so superior to them who knows who I would be or what I would talk about if I'd been raised in the capital and in connection to this I think it is important like in this situation these people are being kept in as much ignorance as the districts are, just in a different uh, way. For sure. And maybe even more so, because they don't understand. They don't know anything. The poverty levels, and they just don't fully comprehend what's happening. And so they're in a limited, a limiting agency situation as well. Absolutely. And so um, she is very, I love that she's so understanding of like, they're not the enemies. The enemy really is snow. But it's easy and those who actively choose to follow him with more knowledge. With knowledge, uh-huh. yeah. Whereas these people who really just don't understand. Just the masses like, in the capital. Yeah, yeah, they've just grown up being surrounded by beauty and good food and just whatever they need right at their fingertips. And so it makes sense that they would be like that. But when they do have moments where they know how to be kind, they choose to be kind. Yeah. And I think that's very telling of who they are as people. And I think that's very telling of most people is I'm like, if they in certain contexts try to do what's right based on what they do understand then they're definitely not the enemy they're just at a different part of the journey and have come from a different situation and that impacts things yeah i think you could totally compare that group to maybe like a sheltered group within the church you know Mm -hmm. like those kids who's who, uh, not to like call anybody out, I I mean this all in the kindest way, but who like aren't allowed to watch PG-13 movies until Mm -hmm. they're like, you know, an adult. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and, um, people who just kind of follow those like more extreme rules, not dissing on those rules, everybody Mm -hmm. do what's right for you. But uh, yeah, I just know that like as a teenager, it was really hard for me to take those kinds of, those kids seriously, right? Mm Because it was like they just didn't really know or understand anything. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay. And they were like, oh, you know, 
you're wearing a tank top and I was like okay like yeah. what do you even know you know yeah. um and then and I definitely got that from my mom because my mom would say the same things about lots of women you know where it was these she would always complain about these women in relief society and stuff talking about the atonement and she's like they don't even know like what the atonement is or how to use it like they've never had to use the mm-hmm. atonement which is totally judgmental in its own yes. way you know mm-hmm. and so it's this like it's this perception i've heard i've heard it described as pride from above and pride from below and i love yeah. that katniss like acknowledges her pride from below you mm-hmm. know looking at these people at these people who are, I don't know what the right is, or the right word is, supposedly, like, superior to her and feeling superior to them yes. and mm-hmm. versus their pride from above, like, seeing this, like, girl who has all this leg hair and doesn't know how to take care of herself. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's this, but both sides, like you're saying, really live in ignorance and have something else to learn. And they could really learn different things from each other if they opened up their minds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So then continuing on, so they do go on the victory tour and we have the sweet, I'm just going to briefly mo- mention it because it's so cute. And in Mockingjay, when we get to that, there's a scene that makes me cry every Aww. time because of, and it's connected with this scene. So they leave District 12. I think they started off with a bit of a part, like a going away party in District 12 and and they mm-hmm. leave and on the train um i believe it's on the train or maybe no it's on the train for sure katniss gets frustrated with effie because she's just going off about all these plans that katniss is like i do not care like i'm out of here and so she's kind of rude to effie and then she leaves and then she's trying to just be by herself i think the train has stopped that's right the train has stopped and so she gets off the train and just walks around in the snow a little bit and someone comes out and she's like assuming it's Hamish trying coming to tell her off and she's like i'll apologize to effie i promise and it's Peta, and he comes to her and he's like he basically is very understanding he's like you know like you don't really need to apologize to anyone and basically he says you don't need to even apologize to me and this is why Peta is so much better than Gale (laughs) (laughs) so he comes in and he's like you don't even need to apologize to me like I know you were you kept us alive like I understand that and he's basically like, if you could stop treating me like a wounded puppy, then I'll start stop acting like one and we can be <laughs> friends. And so he's, they're trying to mend this relationship and they get to know each other. And Peter's like, what's your favorite color? And they like tell oh. each other <laughs> just like a really good like their first real conversation. That's not just about the games and about their situation like it's just a genuine like friendship moment and it's just very very sweet it's just a very good moment i mean i guess if you're talking about remember who the real enemy is often katniss has had moments of thinking pete is the enemy yeah and just realizing like he's just in the same situation as her and he also has had his feelings hurt, which she's pretty understanding about, too, which I appreciate, like, throughout that even when he is not being very nice to her, she's kind of like, you know, I understand, like, it was a hard situation. Even I was confused. I still don't know how I feel. So I feel bad that I did that. But also, like, it's just kind of the way it is. <laughs> like, right. it's just the way she feels. But... um we see a little moment of that of recognizing who the real enemy is and it's not PETA despite everything that's happened. Um, But then we get to the one scene in all of the Hunger Games that makes me like cry every single time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. There are some scenes that maybe I'll 
cry less sometimes or I won't cry <laughs> sometimes when I see it. This one wrecks me. So okay. they go to District 11. Mm. Oh, I can't. And they get to give a speech in front. And so, of course, they see the families of the fallen tributes, one being Thresh, who saved Katniss's life. Not only saved her life, but spared her life because he could have killed her. And then we see Rue's family. And... Yeah, it's just really upsetting. <laughs> so PETA ends up saying that he's going to give one month of their win- winnings oh. every year for the rest of their lives to the families of the trip fallen tributes. I love him just knowing that Katniss is like fine with that. That's my yes. favorite thing about mm-hmm. that moment is he doesn't even need to consult her. He's just like, yeah, Katniss will love this idea. <laughs> yes. He knows. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and so another good moment of her recognizing who the real enemy is, is talking to these families about their fallen tributes in such a respectful and kind way. Not like, oh, they were my enemies. Sorry, I just had to kill them. She recognizes that they were children. And so she, about Thresh, she says, I always respected him for his power, for his refusal to play the games on anyone's term, but terms but his own. And so she really saw him, even though they didn't have a lot of interactions. And then, <laughs> uh, then she turns to Rue's family. Can I get through this? I don't know. <laughs> I definitely, like, reading this book, I didn't really cry at any part except for this part. <laughs> I had all the tears. Anyway, I think for this, I'll be all right. But um, she says, but I feel as if I did know Rue and she'll always be with me. Everything beautiful brings her to mind. I see her in the yellow flowers that grow in the meadow by my house. I see her in the mockingjays that sing in the trees. But most of all, I see her in my sister Prim. My voice is undependable, but I am almost finished. Thank you for your children. I raise my chin to address the crowd. And thank you all for the bread. Oh. when she sent it. I love that she connects Rue to her sister. Um, it just shows that despite the capital wanting to tear family apart, she keeps family so close, even yeah. in the midst of a situation where she could have seen Rue as an enemy, just an enemy. She sees her as family. And that's... Why family is divine and we should appreciate it more. (laughs) Absolutely. Amen. So we continue on and they continue through the tour. It's really sweet. We have moments where Katniss is having nightmares. So does PETA, but PETA mostly just doesn't sleep. He kind of just wanders around, which is so sad. (laughs) When you read about that, it says, yeah, PETA, who spends much of the night roaming the train, hears me screaming as I struggle to break out of the haze of drugs that merely prolong the horrible dreams. So she's been given sleeping drugs and they're just making it so that she can't wake up from the traumatic nightmares that she has because of the trauma from the first games. And he's so... (laughs) I love this so much. (laughs) Ah, So it says, he manages to wake me and calm me down. Then he climbs into bed to hold me until I fell back asleep. After that, I refused the pills, but every night I let him into my bed. So like the only relief she can get, either of them can get, is just being close to each other because they just understand each other. And like really within these traumatic experiences, the only time they felt safe was when they were just together in that cave. Yeah. I mean, they weren't fully safe, but you get the feeling that was where they felt most safe. And even now, like, PETA's really the only one. PETA and Hamish, I would say, are the only ones who she knows really gets what she's going through. And you can sense there's just a different relationship there with both of them. Yeah. Um, and so I love that they comfort each other and are there for each other and why Katniss cannot realize that she loves PETA is beyond me but (laughs) it's one of those things where like it's so cute but at the same time I'm like 
Ah, the t- they're literally sleeping together every night. Like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Girl, yeah. you cling to him all night long, but, like, you cannot recognize like, that it would be a good thing to just be with him. Right? Like, as if you would feel the same with Gail. You wouldn't. No. You, just you wouldn't not. feel the same with no. anyone. That's all love is. No, That's all you need. <laughs> they're too cute. It's anyway, fine. It's fine. It's frustratingly adorable and the situation's complicated and she has a lot of trauma trauma. beyond just the game and they're also still children yes they're also still young but they just love each other and it's um okay so then um katniss is told by snow in a very subtle way that her work to try to quell the uprisings is is not working um people do not believe their love story still which was what he came to threaten her about i guess we didn't really mention that but basically he's trying to get her to really put on the show because people are starting to want to rebel and he wants her to calm them down by convincing them because they don't believe her um but everything and, she does is yeah, just so inciting she, to rebellion mm, yep so <laughs> they even so they get engaged Peta and her get engaged on television and it's still not enough so then she goes home being like okay what do i do and she tells Gail, and she's like, let's run away. We'll have to run away. And, of course, as soon as he hears Peter's coming, instead of being like, oh, yeah, let's save people's lives, he says, no, that's so annoying. I don't want you to bring your um, fake fiancé. Uh, I'm just going to stay here. <sighs> Freaking Gail. Anyway, so, well, at first he's like, okay, fine. But then as she talks, he's like, the fire is put under him. And he's like, I don't even care. And, you know, it's a situation where I see both sides. Like, Katniss can't just run away. Like, it's not going to fix anything. Yeah, Yeah. not really. It's not going to help anybody for her to run away. And let's be real. They'd probably just find her. Yeah. (laughs) They weren't going to make it. And so, yeah, that's too many people, first of all. And second of all, and it's her. They're watching her. Watching everything she does. So it's very just unrealistic. But I don't think Gail's very understanding about it and isn't really listening to her i would say it's i it's gail breaking apart the unity like Mm -hmm. this is gail not seeing who the true enemy is because i mean we know he's hated the capital longer than katniss right Mm -hmm. in the first one he would go on his tangents and railings against the capital out in the woods um but like and he's like it's this problem where he's willing to do something for Katniss because he loves her and sees her as family. But then as soon as Pete is involved, it's like, it's just too much emotion going on in his head. And he's letting those feelings get in the way of what could be the right thing to do. Even if running away is the wrong thing to do, you know, mm-hmm. if he's agreeing to it because he thinks it's a good idea, he's then letting Peta get in the way of what he sees as a good idea. Yeah. And he so he's targeting PETA as the enemy that he's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's totally exactly what we're, we're talking about with church members, you know, judging and discriminating and, and breaking down that that unity over when, like, that's not who we should be focused yeah. on and worried about. Because <laughs> I think, I mean, we've mentioned President Snow as being the real enemy, but I think even deeper than that, there's some semblance of continued violence being the real enemy because for Katniss like she goes into war and goes into fighting because she has to because there's no other choice right but that's not a state she wants to be in whereas Gail is all for it right (laughs) and like 
President Snow wants to avoid this big war, but he doesn't realize that the Hunger Games are a war in and of themselves. Right. Just on a smaller scale, but he's still perpetrating violence, whereas Katniss doesn't want any of that unless absolutely necessary. That's a really good point. Which is the difference between them. So then they go back to the district and Gale ends up getting whipped um, because he's caught coming in and he was poaching and so they whip him and Katniss goes well it's cute because Katniss goes to PETA and PETA's like yeah I'll do whatever you want which PETA's the best I'm sorry (laughs) oh gosh sorry if you're team Gale but I'm for sure not (laughs) not for Katniss like it's not like Gale's the worst thing ever it's just like not for Katniss anyway but yeah PETA's like I will go with you if that's what you want to do but I know you're not going to go. She's kind of pissed <laughs> off about that. But he's like, no, like, genuinely, I'll go with you. Like, I I promise I'll go with you. I just really don't think you're going to. Oh, yeah. He like, just knows her better than she wants yeah, to admit. <laughs> knows her better than she knows herself sometimes. Yeah. And she, he's proven right. As soon as something goes wrong, she realizes she's not going to run. <laughs> so, yeah, they're walking together. And that's when they see Gail and Katniss and Peta and Hamish all stand in the way um, to stop it. And then Katniss, for some reason, is like, of course I'm in love with Gail. <laughs> Girl, stop. Just because you're ups- really upset and distressed that he just got whipped almost to death does not mean you're in love with him. <laughs> Like, it just means you love him. But like, she's literally ready know. to give up her life for Peta. And she's like, do I love him? And she's upset that Gail gets hurt. And she's I like, I must be in love with him. Yes. <laughs> You're like, oh, Katniss, you are so wise and strong and courageous. But you are not emotionally, like, intelligent at all. So, yes, all of this happens. And then she... So, basically, the District 12 gets really smacked down with new peacekeepers coming in. And we see... I love in the movies um, being able to see a little bit more of the background with that. Because we see Plutarch Heavens be the new game maker and President Snow having conversations about what to do to make Katniss look, ba- look bad. Mm. And so this is part of that plan that they discuss. But anyway, um, so they have peacekeepers there and they shut down the black markets. They have a lot more strict rules. There are things that Katniss says, like people are whipped for doing that people had been doing for so long they forgot they were against the law right. and things like that. And I love it too, because connecting with our theme of this episode, there's a moment when Gail's getting whipped. There's a couple of people peacekeepers who help them and these peacekeepers who have been there for a long time there's um one who is on the ground when Katniss unconscious when Katniss gets there and then there's another one who stands up and is like I think that's actually the amount of lashings we're supposed to give for this offense offense thank you and the new peace lead peacekeeper is like, oh, really? Is that the rule here? And she's like, yeah, even though Katniss is like, I mean, nobody knows because we don't do that. But usually the rule is for poachers who gets the first turkey, the turkey leg. Right. Like, that's the attitude that's been around. Um, but this peacekeeper is really just trying to help stop it. And so it's really amazing to see that these... And another thing that I love in the books is, again, that community and including these peacekeepers who are from the capital, but they are willing to make little rebellions of their own. Yeah, it's really touching. Yeah, it's very empowering. And so realizing that it's not necessarily the capital as a whole that is the enemy. 
it's those who are in power and have knowledge who are misusing it. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're ultimately, they're also just people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been in District 12 for so long, they're not ignorant anymore. They know exactly what's going on and they've developed relationships here and they understand them. And I want to compare it to like um, some of the Romans that Jesus interacted with, you know, none of the stories are coming to my head, but uh, oh, like the centurion servant, you Mm -hmm. know, some of those people who like, who believe in Christ, but like come from this different place where they like, they're not really in a place where they can fully embrace the gospel because it's just not like culturally possible, but like they know, they know the Jews, they know the people and they love and respect them for who they are as people. And they know what's right versus wrong. And that's very much these peacekeepers here. They're like, this is wrong. Like, I don't, I don't know what the law is and I don't know like what you guys are doing here, but this isn't, this isn't right. And they, and they're willing to step up and do something about it. And it's an awesome moment. It's wonderful. So then we see Katniss. So there's all these Smackdown, more peacekeepers and Katniss ends up sneaking out to go hunting, even though she probably shouldn't. (laughs) And she goes to this house by this lake that her dad used to take her to um, where she had talked to Gail earlier. And there's these two people who show up who are dressed in peacekeeper uniforms and she's all nervous, but it ends up that they're from District 8, which District 8, she's realized, she's learned recently, has up has officially rebelled. Full-scale and, rebellion. Yeah, they've had a fight with peacekeepers, a real battle. And in fact, we learn from these two. So these two women from District 8 come and tell her what happened and I guess... Um, the peacekeepers ended up well they were fighting and then the peacekeepers won capital one and so they were like go back to your daily routines and then just they were a little late to work and just before they got there the factory that they worked at was blown up by the peacekeepers um because they the peacekeepers had learned that that was where a lot of the whisperings to rebel had started was in this factory and so they run away. The, they already had these peacekeeper uniforms. One was for actually one of their husbands um, who was in the factory. And so he died. And so the other woman got to take that. And they ran away. And they're going to District 13, which supposedly was blown up at the beginning of all this, before the Hunger Games started during that war. But they were saying that whenever the Capitol show, shows footage from District 13, there's always the same mocking Jay. Uh, flies in the corner and so they believe that they're just reusing footage and that there's actually something else there potentially that district 13 survived because they could go underground and so that's where they're headed which Katniss is like "Mm, I don't know about that but (laughs) whatever and so they go so that's one of our first introductions to district 13 but also to the idea of the capital deliberately keeping things from people Mm. in a way that's like outside of the Hunger Games, I guess. Potentially impactful information that, yeah, they're keeping away from it. Because most of the other stuff we've learned about usually has to do with the games and a lot of the fakeness of it. Right. And what they actually do behind the scenes and stuff, which 
I mean, I'm sure a lot of people kind of know. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So, a lot of people probably recognize that this is entertainment, and yes, so there's some exactly. other aspects to it. Yeah. Um, Whereas this is, like, news that people think they're getting that is legitimately, intentionally faked. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. That is false and could be impactful right. to a huge scale. Yes. Um, that would change everything. So, yeah, we're starting to see a little bit of the grander scale of everything that's happening with that and then we get to the quarter quell which is basically every 25 years from the start of the hunger games there was an idea that every 25 years there would be a special hunger games where there would be an added dynamic as an extra reminder um that the capital is in power and that we need to appreciate that basically and so i thought in hunger games that the 74th annual hunger games was irrelevant but yes. turns out yeah. <laughs> highly no, relevant 74th number <laughs> is important because now it's the 75th yes and so it talks about the 25th hunger games there was they had to vote oh gosh I could not even imagine. Oh, my god! They had to Absolutely. vote on who the tributes would be from each district. So, like, the district themselves would have to vote on which kids would go in. There's no way. Which I just... Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine. I just, like... I think the least realistic thing to me about this book series is how far the capital pushes without them going into oh, Rebellion anyway. Only for the sole fact, rebellion is hard to incite, but for the sole fact that it's their children, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Attacking people's children? I mean, it's just, it's the fastest way (laughs) to have a bunch of parents, you know, fathers of daughters saying, uh... No, 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 no. no. (laughs) You're not taking them. Yeah, that's like the only thing about this. When I think about having to vote, I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. I I don't think I could vote for somebody. I think I'd rather be whipped or shot. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no no other option. How do you live with yourself? (laughs) Yeah, like to say I voted. To look in the face of the parent. To have to look at that person's parent. Yeah. Yeah. No. Be like, I voted for your child to die, Mm-mm. basically. Like, <laughs> awful, awful, awful. But I guess if you psycho- psychologically manipulate people yeah. enough, unfortunately, people you can give do a in. lot. But mm-hmm. people but still, still have their agency. So sad. Anyway, <laughs> and then the 50th, which is the one Hamish won, um, where they had double the tributes. So two boys <sighs> and two girls. Also Which awful. makes Hamish way cooler, actually. Hamish way cooler, <laughs> and you just want to give him a hug. That's <laughs> like, true. Oh my god. That's true. Uh, it's bad enough to go through the Hunger Games, but to have to go through where even more people, kids are dying. Yeah. Like, oh, and three people from your own district, too. Mm-hmm. Instead of j- that raises the chances yeah. that he had to kill somebody from mm-hmm. his own district. Especially it's just... when it's like you grow up and often you're just going to hang out more with your own gender. Right. Like, you're going to have to kill someone who could be, like, a friend. A friend, friend yeah. Who's another For guy sure. or whatever. Anyway, Ugh. super, super sad. And then, yeah, 75th. So exciting. Quarter quill. And <laughs> it's definitely been rigged. It's, I'm just going to say that. I mean, it, it's rigged anyway. <laughs> To have Sorry. 25 years. President Snow would not rig yeah. the Hunger Games like that. He would like never that. make a paper look old. <laughs> 
just to do this. But I'm like, it's too perfect. There's no even Katniss is <laughs> no, like, yeah, no they way. did they did that on purpose <laughs> for sure because it's very pointed. So um, what it says, I'm just gonna read it. It's on the 75th anniversary as a reminder to the rebels that even the strongest among them cannot overcome the power of the capital. The male and female tributes will be reaped from their existing pool of victors. Which, oh gosh. Just, so now they're taking away the cry. one immunity that they their children were mm-hmm. already not immune, but the one thing that every victor yes. thought they had. Was they stripped. would never have to go back, and now they do. Take and especially Katniss, the thing reason it's so rigged is because she's the only, <laughs> she's woman, the only woman female <laughs> from victor. Her district and so she for sure is going in there's no other option for her whereas for the male it could be either Peta or Hamish. this episode has been divided into two parts you have reached the end of part one part two will be released the following thursday we hope you enjoyed the first half of our discussion be sure to follow us on instagram at god and all things podcast additionally if you are interested in seeing what tori is currently reading Head over to her YouTube channel, Good Strong Words. Thank you again for listening. We hope you are having a wonderful day. Keep remembering to see God in all things, and we will see you next time. Bye!